2: From motorsport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Charles Bradley, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Thursday, 27th of May, and on today's podcast, the team from motorsport.com bring you a preview of the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. It's 33 drivers, 200 laps, 500 miles, and one bottle of cold milk at the end of it. Stay tuned because today we're going to discuss all the big stories you need to know about ahead of Sunday's race. Joining me direct from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway at motorsport.com's US editor and Autosport IndyCar correspondent David Marsha. Hello. And I'm delighted to say that we're also joined by the driver of the number twelve Horizon 5G Chevrolet Team Penske's Will Power. Good day, Will. We're all good. Thanks ever so much for joining me, guys. Let's start with this last weekend's qualifying drama and reflect on on what happened on Sunday and Will, how Will made it into the field on bump day in such dramatic circumstances. Will, what was that experience like to live through?
3: Uh, it's uh, certainly stressful, especially the night before when you know you've got really one shot. I mean, you can go multiple times, but once you've heated that engine, that's why I didn't practice. Once you've heated the engine, you simply just lose power. So if you didn't get the first run right, your chances of getting in in the second run were less. And if you crashed on the first run, you're out completely. So it's certainly, certainly nerve wracking. Go completely nail it. You don't practice. So you've got to be very sure of the setup and you've got to be very sure of the trim level. If you go too aggressive and trim too much, and you end up having to lift, or you crash, you're out. If you go too much downforce, and you're just simply not fast enough, you're out. Um, So certainly a lot of uh, back and forth with my engineer and um, other members of the team the night before, just really, you know, we just came to the conclusion that we won't change anything. It was, you know, we thought if we just do a solid run, we should get in. The fear was, we thought RC Anderson, all right, he's not turning up tomorrow, and um, you know, being able to do a 29, a 229. But when you looked at Kimball, you know, you looked at Simona, we knew Sage was at least as quick as us, maybe quicker. So um, it's going to be tough to beat him. And Simona had the potential to be quicker than us. And Charlie, if he was going to bolt on four days stuff or Kellett's stuff, he potentially could be as quick as us. So, you know, we certainly weren't, weren't taking it lightly.
2: The car looked just super loose on that final lap. Was that just the, the extra heat in the day of running at that time, as the as the tyres got hotter and on lap four?
3: Yeah, it was. Ultimately, it was too little downforce for the condition. Started going loose about lap two, and I didn't adjust for it because it had gone the other way every other qualifying run for me. I'd just lost front, so I thought, okay, it's going to come into it. It's going to come into a good balance, and it never did. It just kept getting looser and looser, and Eventually, could hardly put lock into it. Had a moment in one, on that last lap, grab, and then you can't. I didn't have enough time to adjust. I thought about it in that short shoot, just banging the front bar on the stiff. It just simply didn't have enough time to be accurate for the turn-in. So, just didn't get much. I hardly put lock into it going into two, and then you know, in the middle where you'd like to get a little bit more turn, and just. You know, the rear's moving around. I just kind of walked all the way out to the wall and my foot shaking on the throttle knowing I can't lift. And then hitting the wall, the worst thing was going to three and four knowing that, you know, is that suspension going to hold or, you know, how, how towed out is that rear? Because that certainly is going to make it even looser. So it was slightly towed out and it was looser, but I just uh, had to hold, hold it wide open. Otherwise, we weren't going to be in the show
2: what's that feeling like when you feel the car drifting out towards the wall when do you realize you're going to hit it
3: Probably from the apex out you're starting to a little bit out of the apex you're like starting to realize you know you're halfway between the apex and the wall then you're really like okay uh, this is not good at that point you know there's not much you can do i mean the car has got the amount of grip it's got and you're sliding anyway the only thing you could do to not hit the wall was lift you would certainly pay in speed if you did that. So, because especially right on the exit of the corner, like usually if you can't be wide open, you need to lift the beginning of the corner and drive out to get a big, because it carries all the way down the straight. So it would have been a huge hit in lap time. And at that point you don't know like how much you really need. So the only option was to be wide open, clip the wall, like seriously, not even half an inch more and you've, you're out. You've, you've broken a suspension, literally half an inch more, and you're breaking the suspension. Not even half an inch more, you think.
0: We saw the team all, all standing there uh, ready for if you did have to run again. How quickly could – but they didn't want to start work on the tow link because that would have involved them having to withdraw your time, right?
3: That's right, yeah.
0: How long would it have taken them to change the tow link?
3: Uh, you would have got a tow link done, it. no no problem. Yeah, you would have got a tow link done in a few minutes, Um They'd actually practice that because there's been times where we had bent toe links in qualifying. And, you know, I I think I remember them practicing that um, to be able to just do it very quickly. So actually might have even tried to do it in a race and do it under a lap. not going a lap down, if I remember correctly. But if it's a toe link, you're fine. But if you've damaged the upright or a top A arm, you're done. Yeah, I'm not sure. You may not, I don't know, maybe they would get it done in the amount of time that was left, it was 50 minutes. But, yeah, when I thought, think about it afterwards, like how close that was to not making the show, like literally less than half an inch to not making the show, like damaging that car or crashing. Like crazy that it came down to that. But that's the consequences of, not getting in on the first day. I mean, you put yourself in a tough position that if one thing goes wrong, like in, pra- in the final practice, I went out and the engine just shut off. I had a fuel pressure problem. That's not making the show. Pashino's engine blew up. That's not making the show. Like when you put yourself in that situation, like nothing can go wrong. Like nothing. Tire deflating, anything. The tire sensor failing of the air coming out of the tire. I mean, it's just Stressful.
0: Now you can relate to what uh, Hinch went through a couple of years. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Alonso, of course.
3: Yeah, Tony, Hunter Ray's been there. Some of the best guys have been in that position.
0: And we know that Roger would not have bought you back in. Is that true? I don't know. No, I mean, I'm I'm guessing he wouldn't, given his uh, kind of feel for the history of the track and that kind of thing, I, I don't think he would have done I think he'd have taken your lunch And then that's your championship killed off as well. Because, like, no yeah. double points
3: big consequence this is just a terrible situation considering what we expected coming in just considering what we expected we certainly did not expect to be where we were as with well. that goes without saying but i really didn't expect it because i know how hard they worked for this race i know how hard they worked like they it wasn't through lack of effort that's why everyone was you know we were just confused at what was going on
2: I'm sure you're glad to put all that be- behind you and focus on, on the race now. How are you feeling about your race car versus the qualifying setup?
3: The race car has been great. I would say it's the most comfortable I've been all like kind of every practice day since 2018. So very much looking forward to yeah, the race, but I was looking forward to qualifying too. Because I was like, if we can just get in the top 15, we're in great shape because the car's really good. And that was the same at the final practice on uh sunday this car feels really comfortable feels good putting a new engine in obviously for the race like everyone so you know maybe that eliminates one of the variables of speed you know but the car on low boost was fast that's why we were confused on, on the day before qualifying when you're running the low boost but you put a qualifying trim on just to see about where you stack up we were right there
0: sage made an interesting point i hadn't realized that he'd actually started 31st four times now. But, yeah, he pointed out that it's actually better than being in the penultimate row or whatever because you can pick the speed you want to go into turn one and let all the craziness happen up ahead.
3: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about how do you tackle that because obviously you can make some positions, but it's a long race too. Yeah, I don't think you're going very far with the amount of turbulent air there once everything settles in, so...
0: Dario describing it as like, it felt like his car wasn't actually touching the, the track. It was yeah. just being sucked along. Yeah. one, yeah. Which is terrifying yeah. to him. Terrifying to someone yeah.
3: like that. Well, that, that was last year. I, I realised that in the, in the, yeah, once you know where I started, like in the twenties.
0: Yeah. And. 24th, cool I think. Yeah. yeah.
3: And you seriously couldn't, like, it didn't matter where you were. You could have been up against a wall. Where no one is, and you're not getting clean air. The air is so st- disturbed that even on the outside, you you can't you can't really make much. Everyone's on about the same. It's just things just buffeting up and down, like you feel it just constantly um, oscillating up and down uh, from just dirty air. So you know, everyone's in the same boat way back there.
2: Well, I feel I feel we need to give you some positives here. So, right on on two on two occasions, drivers have made up thirty one spots from their starting position. So, Tom Sneaver in nineteen eighty, Scott Goodyear in nineteen ninety two, both finished second from thirty third on the grid, and you're spot starting one spot ahead of those guys.
3: I know I uh, I'm I'm a well well aware. Montoya went to the back. He didn't qualify back there, but he's he went all the way to last and. Came back to win it at 15. So certainly a lot of time to get through all that. And as you know, in this race, a lot of stuff plays out through pit stop sequences and people making mistakes on pit lane. So there's plenty of opportunity to get ourselves in the mix by the end there. And obviously some Dixon type strategy where it just falls you away from a yellow or something too. So you don't know. I mean, you can you could almost eliminate a pit stop back there with the amount of fuel save you'd have you just, you'd be lifting, you're going to be lifting so much in that first stint, you're going to go multiple laps longer than the guys at the ferry front. So it's also that plays into it.
0: Is there an argument for going off strategy straight away, pitting on 15, 45, 75, doing it that way? No. I don't
3: think so because then you are going a lap down. You know, you're putting yourself in a bad position straight off the bat, so you've got to play a long game.
2: Obviously, your man, Ron Razewski, going to earn his corn on uh, on Sunday. When do you define these strategy calls? Do you do you go into the race with, like, multiple plans or do you target periods where you might catch a yellow to advance position and run fuel strategy around that? How, how many plans do you go into a race like this with?
3: Yeah, I think you uh, kind of sit back and have a good think about what could happen, but probably think about the things you could control if it stays green. If it's staying green for a long time, you know, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I think you kind of go from there because obviously then you throw a yellow in there and it completely changes the strategy. So, you know, back there, you're going to take a yellow every every time. that If there's a yellow in the first stint and it's early, you're going to take it. You're going to take tyres. You're going to take the fuel, put you in a, a better position. Ten laps in, even five laps in from where we were, we'll take – You'll take a yellow just to get that five laps of fuel. Yeah, even if it's the first lap yellow, you'll probably come top off. Yeah, you start with a full green race and then you kind of decide what yellows you might take, like how early, which I'd say we'd take everyone. Uh, Any yellow in the first stint, then go from there.
2: We've got a cooler weather forecast for this week. Do we think that's probably going to lean to more green running and is that going to help you with, with overtaking as well?
3: Yeah, I... I think it certainly would lead to more green running just because you've got more downfalls, Um, so less chance for people to make a mistake, although if it makes the racing closer, it's more chance for people to come together. So, yeah, I kind of think it's good for us to have a a cooler race. I think that you'll be able to run closer and capitalize on little mistakes out of corners. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. You know, I think a stinking hot day it just all spreads out and it's hard to get by anyone.
0: Anyway. You know how people say that, you know, you learn from all of the bad times and that kind of thing. One of the things that made it kind of like work out for Montoya in his battle with you in 2015 was because it had to come from the back. And yeah. he had more, he had more wing, had more wing on, so he was able to yeah. better to deal with Traffic. I mean, I guess that's that's something that you've got to look back on. Is that something that you learned from that experience?
3: You know, you're spending the day in just such turbulent, terrible air that when you get to the front, it's just – the thing's just stuck. Like, you could – you'll be able to – you've had a whole day of just horrible, horrible air and car moving around and you're making moves and by the time you get there, you've certainly got your car – Sorted to yourself and the car sorted and understanding how to get through traffic. So if you if it comes down to a battle like I believe it will be, which is the first two guys switching places, you're in. A, if you've been battling all day, you're in a, a very good spot to understand the air now, and it versus a car that has just run at the front all day. Um, yeah, maybe you're a bit more stacked on downforce because of that, but you know you got what you got at that point. But just the knowledge of the previous. 150 laps uh if you're in that position at the end for the last 50 uh yeah i you're gonna you're gonna be that i've seen that multiple times i've seen hunter ray win it from way back there and he just battled hard all day i saw rossi in 19 come you know from all the way at the back he just spent the day in in dirty air so he can just follow super closely and be confident in it um so there is a little bit of that for sure.
2: Do you go back and look at the tapes of those races? I'm thinking also Dario in 2012 after he was spun in the pit lane and just see how that, that kind of transpired, how he was able to work his way to the front.
3: Yeah, we w- I will do. I will do. Have a look at, certainly from a strategy perspective, I know the engineers will be looking at that. Really, you want to get their on boards and see you know, how they got through traffic. Obviously, a very different, different car, um, different um, condition. Yeah, strategy-wise, you got to have a car to get through traffic and you've got to be not make a mistake either. I've been too many times I've gone along and trying to make time up in the pits, so you've got to be very good in the exchanges but not overcook it. <laughs>
0: How hard do you practice your in and out laps uh, here? Because they can really make a difference, especially if everyone pits under the yellow, right?
3: Yeah, it's about getting in the box. I would love that box that Paginot got, the last one, the clear end, but unfortunately I didn't get that. Because <laughs> that's, that's where you can make some serious positions in, in a in a yellow flag stop. I've got a, I've got a super fast crew. Like the crew my pick guys this year are very good. Uh yeah, you know, Texas we made up a lot
0: of spots under yellow Green flag stops are you practicing them all the time when you're through those days of practice at Indy?
3: Yeah we'll do that on carb day because you can't, you can't pit off four all week it's the first time you get to pit off four to practice your cell under there which um, you know it's pretty sketchy then you're out that, uh, around the apron
2: Just before we let you go Will there's a question I've always wanted to ask an Indy 500 winner how much of the prize purse do you get to keep? In In 2018, it was $2.5 million for the winner. And you did all the hard yeah. work, right? How much do you, yeah. uh, do you get to trouser?
3: I certainly didn't do all the hard work. You give them to the Carl. They did all the hard work in the, in the pits, in the off-season, in the straight, everything. T- total, total team effort. Yeah, that's just uh, that's a deal you have between the team. Let's just say, uh, I didn't get quite get 50% of it, but I'm pretty close.
0: <laughs> and Liz got her Corvette pace car as well so. oh, yeah,
3: oh, exactly yeah that was, uh, that's a cool part of it I don't think you give who cares about the purse you just want to win the race I'd I, I give up that money in a beat to win the race yeah. I don't care about the money I just want to win
0: you'll get what like five bucks for qualifying 32nd right?
3: <laughs> yeah I don't know I thought I thought that was actually a good prize to be the last place qualifier
0: well Robin Miller used to host the last row party and take the three guys out to the mug and bun which was no Uh, good because that that just added so much weight yeah (laughs) Uh, you know know what you know what Robin's like yeah he wants wants his uh, food as uh, unhealthy but filling as possible
2: it's been fascinating to hear your views thanks so much for your time as we approached our 105th running of the indianapolis 500 this weekend thanks for joining us best of luck for sunday's race
1: Awesome. Thanks,
3: thanks for
2: having me on. So now Will's gone, we can talk about him rather than to him. So what are your thoughts, David, on his chances on Sunday? What's the maximum he can expect to gain from this?
0: I think it's fair to say that he can definitely get up into the top five. They are going to have to do something uh, tricky, obviously, or get lucky uh, in terms of uh, tactics. But I think they're well capable of that. Uh, and I think they know that it's, it is it is going to uh, be almost easier from the back because they've got nothing to lose. Simona's feeling the same way. What Will was saying about plunging into the pits every time there's a yellow, no matter what, even if it, there's one at the start, just to top off and just to make that ground when you can and then sit and save fuel when he's stuck in traffic. I think that could work out in his favour. The great thing is about the Indy 500, you honestly never know uh, until... Yeah, the final shootout where everyone stands in terms of fuel.
2: Penske has Joseph and Simon much further up the grid, haven't they? So they they can sort of focus on them and let Will work it out for himself, can't they?
0: And uh, I think Scott McLaughlin uh, stands a great chance uh, from 17th. I reckon he can get a top five and win rookie of the year.
2: I'd, I'd agree with that. I think certainly for some of the pace we saw in his uh, sort of race setup, he looked really strong.
0: Yes, and he's not, backward about coming forward if there was another position to be gained within the race I think he uh, he isn't one to just hang back and think championship points or anything like that he'll he'll go for it if he's confident and uh, yeah as you say everything that we've seen within the uh, uh, practice sessions he yeah, he does look confident whether he's running in traffic or leading a pack. So
2: you've been in Indy now for a couple of weeks since the since the Grand Prix. What's it like? What's what's the feeling like? The buzz around the place with with fans back and knowing that there's going to be 140,000 in on Sunday.
0: Yes, 140,000 sounds like a small number uh, compared with Indy, but obviously it's a massive number compared with most other races yeah, anywhere world. else. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, there is some excitement building. I think there's quite a bit of disappointment that the restrictions hadn't lifted in time for the parade and uh, festival. But on the other hand, uh, they've done something very wise with that money and ploughed it into dry and rindbold racing, hence the reason that we got Sage uh, in there, starting uh, alongside Will and Simona. There is a certain buzz. It is a bit more muted, but... On the other hand, you know, it's a lot better than last year. Uh, I think we should all be grateful and we look forward to a wonderful 2022 with everything coming back full bore.
2: What sort of race can those fans expect to see? I'm looking at my weather app right now and it's forecasting temperatures really in the low 70s. So you're thinking more overtaking but less less wreck potential because the, the, the track's going to be more grippy than normal?
0: Yeah, and I think the yeah. air... You know, that makes the air denser. We're supposed to have a huge storm on, uh, or certainly a lot of rain on Friday, which will not only clean uh, clean the track, but it will also produce a clear but denser air. And I think that that will help uh, the cars come Sunday. I think it's also been not overplayed, but the difficulty in passing here, there's a few people that are thinking it's just going to be the front two that are swapping back and forth desperately trying to save fuel. But, of course, the field doesn't get strung out evenly spaced, so you're still going to get passing at the front of every pack that develops. And uh, certainly speaking to Dixon yesterday, I think the, he is very positive also that the differing tactics that are required will mean that what we saw in practice is what we see in the race in terms of cars being on you know, very different levels of fuel and having their tyres uh, at different stages of degradation, I think we are going to see there will be some fallow periods when everyone's roughly on the same strategy. But then people get desperate, start rolling the dice, and uh, oh, I don't want to say oh heaven break, uh, oh hell or heaven breaks loose, but suddenly we start getting the kind of uh, racing that we're brought up to believe the Indy five hundred should feature.
2: I mean, how many pit stops do we normally expect from a from a regular race run at Indy?
0: If you were sitting at the front, you're probably only going to get twenty-seven, twenty-five to twenty-seven laps uh, out of a tank of fuel. Maybe a bit more if you're Scott Dixon or certain others that know how to save fuel on ovals. Um, if you're if you just spend a lap or two behind another car, then that can save you like half a lap's worth uh, of fuel. If we said thirty laps is roughly uh, the number, it, that gives us six six pit stops uh, you know there's going to be a short short run somewhere uh in that but that's of course if we run green the whole way and that never happens
2: and we're totally expecting some runners to gamble totally on the fuel strategy as we saw pay off so handsomely for alexander rossi in in the most recent past
0: absolutely and if he can do it as a rookie there's a lot of veterans in the field that know how to do it as well and it's especially true now that they've added this tweet, uh, Tino Belly, the head of aerodynamics at IndyCar, you know, they did a lot of experimentation. They filled in or partially filled in the hole in the floor in order to give the cars more front end downforce so they weren't having to run so much front wing uh, so that they can track each other. And so you can get, you can literally, in the old days you used to have to get a car to, Uh, your car like half a half a width up the track or half a width down if you were closely following it in order to get some clean air uh, onto the wings you don't have to do that now they can track each other all the way through the corner so if you can do that then uh, you're going to save a lot of fuel
2: so from all the practice sessions you've watched in the last couple of weeks who's really stood out as an overtaker and what can we expect from those guys this weekend
0: Simon Pagano is one but he's coming from down in the 20s but his car looked lovely and comfortable to drive much like it did back in 2019, the year he won Uh, he seemed to be able to drive it anywhere on the track. Funnily enough him and his engineer Ben Bretzman for a long time have been the best at setting up their car for Speedway so I'm not surprised. Pado looks hard and aggressive his car looks a little bit uh, edgy but so that doesn't seem to stop him does it he he showed uh you yeah, know great restraint last year uh by finishing sixth it's so easy for a rookie to overstep the boundaries and uh you know push when there's nothing more to come from the car and uh he held his uh held his uh wild exuberance in check uh for long enough for 200 laps and got rookie of the year
2: and also remember texas he looked fantastic there
0: yeah, absolutely. He he knows when to pounce and when not to pounce. Um, so, yeah. And the other guy that... Oh, uh, well, Colton has definitely looked the strongest of the uh, Andretti cars, uh, although I think we can rely on Rossi and Hunter Ray to get uh, aggressive because that's just in their nature, and they're both previous Indy winners, so what the hell. And then I think uh, the other one that's kind of stood out for me is Marcus Ericsson. Uh he's, he's looked absolutely uh, on his A-game. I've seen him pull off some, well, a couple of times I've sucked in my breath because he, he's gone so late <laughs> to make his pass uh, into turn one or three. But, yeah, he looks very comfortable up there with uh, uh, Kanaan and Palu and, of course, uh, Paul Sitter, Scott Dixon. I mean, he could win it because Gadassi just seemed to completely have a handle on it in... Uh, you know, qualifying and race conditions this year because he's learning to calm down and uh, he's keeping more composed. My one question mark over him would be the fact that I don't think his crew is as sharp as uh, Dixon's. Just like my one doubt over palu's ultimate competitiveness is that just from watching Texas, I'm not sure his in and out laps on ovals are totally nailed down yet. But, you know, on the other hand, we've got... Uh, two hours on Friday, theoretically, whether allowing uh, for him to, to practice that.
2: I was glad to hear that the storm comes in on Friday when I arrive on Saturday.
0: Yes, yes, yes. We're, we're, we're making the atmosphere nice and special for you. Obviously, you'd have to go with the previous winners like Dixon and Kanan out of the Ganassi team to do it, but I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me if uh, Ericsson or Palu uh, delivered.
2: Yeah, what you were just talking about with uh, Ericsson making late passes into one, I remember talking to Dario about this and he said that if you, if you haven't got it sorted out by the time you cross the line of bricks, you've got basically less than a second to sort it out with the other guy or you're both going to head into the wall.
0: Yes, yes, I'm sure he has wonderful memories of Taku in 2012 now. Um Yeah, he thought he'd, Dario thought he'd close the door but uh, Taku attempted to... Uh, fill the, the gap that wasn't quite big enough for an Indy car uh, well to be fair uh, it wasn't it wasn't big enough for an Indy car that hits a bump through the turn uh, otherwise he could have done it
2: I remember I was stood in that race at turn 4 and saw the run that Taki was getting and it was like this is going to be interesting <laughs> this late in the race with Dario trying to pass him when there's Indy 500 at stake
0: few years ago I did this story actually it was in 2017 just before he went and won for the second uh, uh for his first time uh he he was explaining that he had to do it at turn one and risk getting passed into turn three because his car wasn't he was running out of revs or gear uh down at turn three he literally didn't have the ultimate top speed to try and pass Dario down there uh, so he had to uh, go for it at turn one and uh that's the kind of guy Taku is. but yeah you know, that's also why he's he seems to be up there all the time. Even uh, you know, 2019, he was uh, up there threatening uh, for the win, just hanging around waiting for a mistake, for, you know, from Rossi and Paganel to get a bit too physical. Uh, he was right there in the picture. So yeah, he's he's sharp. Recent recent history shows that Rahal
2: Letterman have got a fantastic car.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they never have a great qualifying car, except last year, Taku kind of plucked something out of his backside to stick it on the front row. Uh, but I mean, tremendously consistent, actually, even better than Dixie in terms of uh, drop off from lap one to lap four. But yeah, this year they're only uh, yeah they're only mid grid, but they I can see both Taku and Graham making their way forward. Back in the days when there was a lot more passing. Rahal was absolutely uh, one of the best at carving through from a mediocre uh, grid spot and uh, yeah I I think the stat came out the other day that for five straight years he he got an award uh, for uh, passing more cars than anyone than anyone else obviously if you're starting from further back you tend to pass more cars than anyone else but yeah, it was uh, impressive nonetheless. Who's your
2: hot tip for victory on Sunday? Oh,
0: God. A 1 in 33 chance. This is... <laughs> a 1 in 33 chance is just a nightmare to pick from. I mean, it's very hard to look beyond Dixon, except the fact that weird stuff does happen uh, at Indy all the time. Like Colton Herter at uh, St. Pete, you kind of new he could do it because he's so composed for his age and he had the fastest car and he knew he had the fastest car so it's like you know just peeling the laps away like peeling the layers of an onion right but i don't think you can ever have a indy 500 like that even when it's even when conditions are perfect um there's always something that gets up in the mix and i think you know look Look at what happened to Dixon in the second Texas race where he uh, got, you know, basically he was trying to back off letting someone else lead so he could save fuel and he let Rahal in front, but then Rahal wanted to save fuel as well because he wasn't quite on strategy and they got down to 202 miles an hour instead of 215. And he said, no, screw this, I'm going to the front. Uh, So, yeah, you've always got that uh, to contend with uh, at Indy as well. Um, sorry, I haven't really answered your question except Dixon, which is so damn obvious, isn't it?
2: Isn't it? Yeah, I think um, I think I'm with you. I think my 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 heart would love Colton Hurd to win, but my head always says it will be Scott Dixon.
0: Yeah, it's very hard to look beyond him. But here's another thing: I have checked, and there is going to be absolutely no team orders. So if the Ganassi cars are running one, two, three, four, there is no team orders, no holds barred. And I think at that point, Canaan's going to think, well, hell, I've only got one more race guaranteed after this with Chip. And that's Gateway, which isn't quite so prestigious as the Indianapolis 500. So I'm going for it. And um, imagine the headlight, you know, having an American Legion-sponsored car uh, on uh, on Memorial Day weekend. Canaan's a possibility. I think he's going to be super aggressive. How many chances do you get to have a Ganassi... Honda at a time when Gennady Honda seemed to have the edge at the speedway.
2: Do you have a a dark horse lurking in the pack somewhere?
0: I'm going to go for our man, Willie P. A record-matching run from 32nd up to 1st, just like uh, you pointed out the other day Tom Sneaver achieved back in 1980.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep, well, we spoke to the man himself and he seemed that was the that was going to be the target for the race day
0: the only target right i mean mark andretti always said there's no race in the world where second means so little
2: okay well thank you again david i'll see Miles you in later. person on sunday and that's our podcast for today remember to see all the latest from the indy 500 on motorsport.com or autosport.com
1: and we'll be back soon Wendy's knows cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's hot and crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's hot and crispy fries. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them.